morning. This is from Ephesians 4. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. This is the word of the Lord. All right, good morning. Thank you, Mele. Um, yeah, it's great to see you all here this morning. Good to be together. Uh, my name is Dave. I'm the lead pastor here at Redemption Tucson, and uh, yeah, it's great to, um, to all be here together in this, this summer. As earlier, David said, um, you know, thanks for braving the, the heat. Um, and uh, uh, oh, on that note, I just want to give you all a heads up. I have a speech impediment. You might be wondering why is it on that note? Well, I don't know why. Uh, heat stroke. It's not heat stroke. It's, um, but anyway, yeah, it just kind of comes in and out as, uh, as we go. So I want to give you all a, a heads up. My, um, uh, our redemption community... Unity was uh, camping this this uh, this this weekend up in Mount Lemmon. So if you are dying of the heat, if you're new to uh, Tucson, I know a few. It's a good place to go. I always forget every time I'm up there. I'm like, why don't we do this more? So anyway, go up there. It was we actually wore sweatshirts in the morning. I forgot even what those were, but um, you know it was nice. So encourage you to go up there. So um, go ahead and turn with me in your Bibles to. Uh, to Ephesians, I almost just said Acts, to, um, that was a while ago, so last year. So to, to Ephesians chapter 4, and, um, and if you don't have a Bible, would you hold your hand up high and keep it up, and somebody will get you one. Y en español, si quieres la Biblia y no tienes, por favor, levanta su mano y diga español. Y si no tiene una Biblia, eso es un regalo a usted. Y esta mañana estamos en Efesios capítulo um, again, if you don't own a Bible, please keep this, okay? This is our gift to you. We want to make sure everyone has a copy of God's Word that they can read and understand and, um, and, and, and pour into. On that note, if you're new to God's Word, uh, we do believe that the Bible is God's Word and, and is true and without error. And, um, and, and a good place to start would be the Gospel according to Mark. So if you're like, where do I even start here? Uh, Psalms or Mark. Great place. Mark's in the New Testament, Psalms in the Old. Um, just some great, great spot, though, to, to, to learn there. So with that, let's get into it together. You can say welcome to chapter 4 if you want um, to your neighbor. If you don't want, you just keep that to yourself, um, but uh, you know who you are. But uh, but um, what we'll see this morning as we continue on is we see this this uh, this 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 charge, this admonition to walk um, as God's people, and so that's what we'll see is what does it look like to walk as God's people this morning. Let's let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Uh, thank you, even as we've just said that this is indeed your word. And it is without error that is profitable for teaching and for rebuke and for, Lord, for building up. And Lord, with that, we pray that you will shape us, inform us as your 
people, that we will come together individually and as a whole and be shaped, Lord, to walk according to the calling that you have given us um, as your people. So with that, we ask that your spirit, that you would send your Holy Spirit to fill us. Lord, I pray that you would fill me and and that you would give me um, eyes, uh, Lord, to see your word clearly, and and Lord, words to clearly communicate what you would have us hear. And then on that note, we pray that that same spirit whom you have sent would open every ear and and eye and heart in this room to, to respond appropriately to the good news of Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. So something that, um, some of my, my, my favorite words that I get to, get to share or say as a pastor, as a minister according to the gospel of Jesus Christ um, and by the power given to me by the state of Arizona is, uh, is um, uh, I, I now pronounce you husband and wife. What God has joined together, let no one separate, you know, so-and-so, you may kiss your bride. And, um, and then everyone cheers. And then, you know, it's kind of from there, the idea is now, now go on and live into your marriage. Okay, we've had a lot of people get uh, married re- recently. One couple last week, uh, one couple like last month, somewhere in there. And um, uh, more coming, right? TBD, kind of s- stay tuned. Um, but uh, some of you know who you are. But, but um, no, there's, there's been, a, there's, this is happening. This is an exciting kind of element of, you know, people coming together, getting, um, getting married. And, and what happens is in that moment when someone is pronounced husband and wife and then, you know, goes uh, and becomes one, um, they are now married. They are before God. They have covenanted with one another and they have shared their, their uh, again, entered into an agreement where we say that, that, that the, the two, uh, as God says, the two shall become one. So you might be wondering, why am I sharing this? I just read the, pa- we just read the passage. Where does that come? Well, um, Jesus, uh, it talks a lot about marriage. And Paul in Ephesians, we'll see in chapter five, says that marriage is one of the clearest pictures of the relationship between God and his people. The relationship between Jesus and his church is, is seen in marriage. So what happens in that moment, right? When a couple, so one couple I was just talking to earlier, they've been married for almost a month now. They're living into their marriage. They are married, right? I know it. I said it. Um, they got married. I, I saw Stephen officiated a, a wedding last, last week, and they're still on their, on their honeymoon, um, right? They're married. But those of us who've been married, whether it's a week, a month, or years, we know that it's not just like, oh, cool, okay, we did that, and now we just, that's it. Now we just kind of take that, leave that there, and, and move on, right? There's, an, there's a growing into what is already true, right? You are married, and now throughout the rest of your marriage, you're, you're, you're living into that marriage. You're growing into what it means to be married. You're learning more about one another. You're, you're, you, know, you, you, you learn what each other like or don't like. And as some actually we do in our pre-marriage counseling, we watch a little short video by three really wise men. And they say, um, you, 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 um, it's, I always mess up quotes, right? If I don't have, that's why I always have them written down here. But they, they, they explain that um, if you say, oh, well, I, I fell in love with this 
person and that love will now sustain our marriage rather than the covenant that you made rather than who you are, well, that's going to be a problem because you fall in and out of love because you're married to a new person, right? We change, we grow. It's the same, you know, human, right? But a new person, you're, you're, you're kind of relearning and, 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 you, and your love is deepening and, and, and becoming new. But all that to say, it's this idea of you are this, now live into it live out of it. And that's what Paul is now doing as we, as we approach a, a shift in Ephesians or we're in a shift, right? We've been in Ephesians chapter one through three up until this point and it ended with a prayer uh, the last couple weeks, uh, verses, chapter three, verses 14 through 21 was, was, was Paul praying and now it shifts and now in chapter four, there's this emphasis of now live this out, Okay, live according or walk according to the calling that God has given you as his people. Okay, so that's what we'll see this morning. With that, let's pick up in verse one. Paul says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Urge is the first, uh, the first word there that Paul says. In the Greek, it would begin with, with, that, with, uh, it, it, with that word there. Urge is first, and then you know, everything that comes after to explain that. So the first word is urge. He's saying, I urge you, walk according to the calling in a manner that is worthy. I urge you. There's a sense of like, do you know who you are? Because you're not living like it. Okay, do you, do you know who you are as God's people? Because that needs to be reflected in how you relate with one another and how you go about your everyday, right? We just saw last week, again, it ended with a prayer of him saying, God, who is, who is able to do far more than we can even ask or imagine. Okay, it's like if you've seen Happy Gilmore. It's like when he's like, go to your home, ball. Don't you want to go to your home? Like, don't you know that's your home? There's this kind of emphasis there. No, man, too young of a crowd. Oh, I don't know where we're at with that. Um, maybe too young, I guess. I guess I was in high school a long time ago. So, right. But there's this urging, like, do you know, like where you belong? Do you know who you are? Now live into it. That's where we are here. Paul is like saying, listen, you have such a great calling. We just, he just prayed last week. He, he was like mid-sentence, right? Then he started praying, then he stopped, then he went on a whole kind of tangent, then he began praying again, and that's where we were for a couple of weeks. He's now praying because he knows this is hard. Okay, he knows, man, you've got to be committed to this. Walk according to the calling. Do you remember your calling? Because your life needs to reflect that. So just to help us, this is not an exhaustive list, but um, uh, what we walked through the last couple of, or actually the last number of months here is we saw this calling. Okay, when he says walk according to the calling, it's these things. We'll see this list, just again, a few of many of what we've unpacked of the calling that Paul is making sure that his uh, audience understands. First of all, we see in chapter two that, 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 that God's people who are called to him are reconciled to God. And then uh, back up in chapter one, he, he had explained it, that, that all of God's people had been sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, filled, indwelt, and, and secured in God the Holy Spirit whom Jesus had sent. And then that God's people, uh, our, our calling is that we are created for good works. Chapter two, verse 10. 
And then we are reconciled to each other. We saw in that next section right after it that part of those good works is our reconciliation with each other. Reconciled to God, to each other. And then in chapter two, verse 22, this is a key part for what we're in right now, okay? In chapter four, verses one through six, again, this emphasis, that, you know, happy Gilmore-like, you know, uh, exhortation that Paul is giving, that urging is because do you get who you are? You are God's dwelling place. You're where God chooses to tabernacle, where he chooses to set up a tent in this world, is you, okay, so that's a part of, of, of our calling as his people. And then something he will do with that is that he will display his power, chapter three, verse one, we saw, through weakness. That's where Paul uses that language of being a prisoner, which he again here in chapter four, that same language is used, is that there's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a humble place to be in prison, and yet God's power is on display through that. And then one of the Last things we saw here is, is that we are called as God's people to display his glory to the heavenly rulers. Okay, so we display his power and his glory to the world around us and specifically to the unseen, to the demonic, the angelic world, to the entire cosmos. God is revealing himself through his people. So that's a high calling, right? And that's who we're called to be as God's people. We're called to live into that. We're called to, to walk in a manner that is worthy. But, but church, let me just, I, I heard someone share earlier, actually, I think uh, some of our friends who we actually got to send away from here um, are here from um, Alhambra, Redemption Alhambra. Alhambra, little shout out. There we are, Leslie. All right, and, and her family. Um, so we uh, love, love the Evans family, and I, uh, I, I knew you were here because I bumped into Amir, um, her, like, what, 10-year-old son, 11-year-old son out there. So anyway, um, I think he's taller than me now, by the way. So that was a little, little I'm still getting over that. But, um, but anyway, something that um, Pastor Wayne from um, Alhambra said is we were talking and, and pouring over this. We all, all the different lead pastors from Redemption, uh, 10 days before the sermon, we all get together, we talk. I do it online. I'm not about to drive to Phoenix anymore, right? Um, but we, we, uh, we get into that and we talk about it. And something that he pointed out is this is such a high calling. It's so great. It's so magnificent. But we miss it when we look through consumeristic lenses, all right, when we, when we come to church, when we approach church, when we have our understanding of what it means to be a church, right? And if, if you notice there, I've used the language of church because that's more of our tendency in our world today. Rather than, than, than thinking of the church as God's people, it's kind of taken on a whole nother meaning. And so rather, but, but in, in scriptures, it's God's people, Ecclesia, the people of God who gather together and scatter into everyday life. And there's this constant rhythm of gathering and scattering. And when we come with a, what's in it for me? With, man, this adds another, you know, tassel. If you picture like someone graduating and all the regalia. And by the way, I just went to one of those. No one ever did. You should add to your, like just start throwing stuff on there. Like everyone assumes you're, you're, better, smarter, whatever you accomplish more, the more you have. So high school kids in here, you heard it from me. Just, just, just get decked out. Um, don't wait for other people to give you stuff. But anyway, like we, we think it's like, we kind of treat it that way. Talk with your parents first. Okay. There. Um, 
but, but like we approach church even this way is okay, kind of give me something to, to add to my resume, another notch on my belt, another piece of regalia, you know, to kind of walk around with. Or, or we come to, to church and we, and we come with this posture of, man, I want to feel good. I get those, you know, warm fuzzies and um, I, I have this time with me and Jesus. And we've talked about this before. We all view it as like individuals. And, um, and it's this idea of, no, God's, God's calling a people together and he's hammered on his work, his commitment to us of reconciling us together and his, his high calling and something that the other pastor at Alhambra, um, Aaron, Pastor Aaron, talked about with this is it, um, we focus on the hard and, and we're gonna get to this in a moment. It's difficult and I fully acknowledge that. Some of the stuff we've been pressing into the last couple months has been really hard. And yet when we, we focus on that because again, our, our lenses are distorted because we miss just how good the reward is, Right? Like, man, when we start to press into that, and again, Alhambra is a church I love. I love to be there with them. They're kind of our big brothers in some ways. Them and Redemption Tempe, but, you know, there's a school in Tempe that we don't like to talk about. So, no, um, you know, but Tempe and Alhambra have really kind of poured into us. And, um, and so it's the, the, Alhambra's been pressing into this stuff of diversity, of what it means to be God's people, the idea of what we do here with tapestry, tables really came from Alhambra. Well, first it came from Atlanta and then uh, Alhambra hijacked it. Then we hijacked it from them. Okay. It's uh, nothing new under the sun as Solomon says. So, so we, we've learned from them and, and he's talking about, yeah, it's hard. It is so difficult when you cross the aisle of politics, when you, when you submit to a couple um, and, you, and you talk to them that are maybe older than you and that they have a preference that's different from you and, you and you put yours on the shelf for a moment to learn from them or as is the case more often in our churches, the older do that and put on their preferences on the shelf maybe to kind of enter into our everyday life here and to live alongside these young folk and you know this whole idea. But it's, this, it's hard, it's really hard. And we need to acknowledge that. But, but man, the gifts, the blessing far outweighs the cost. Okay, and yet again, we need to understand that this charge to, of Paul saying, I urge you, walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Walk in this way because he, he loves this church. He, he helped plant this church. He wants them to participate in God's eternal glorious plan. And he knows that they will miss it like you and I if we continue to surrender to consumerism. Because then when it gets hard, we're going we're gonna to be out, right? We're going we're gonna to dip out because, man, that got, you know, that got challenging. I don't, I don't know that I want to hang around for that. But if our lenses are, we are God's people, and he's forming us and shaping us for a, a, a universally cosmic, important, eternally significant purpose of reflecting him to the world that is seen and unseen, um, then that changes how we go about this, right? He says, walk in a manner worthy. So what is that manner? Let's pick up in... Verse two, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Eager. Another person at that same kind of 
gathering together as we were talking about this passage. And I don't mean to be crude. I know there's some kids in here, but hang with me and hopefully you'll understand this. He says, listen, we need to be as eager as hell to walk in a manner, to maintain unity, to walk as God's people. And that's not just trying to be, you know, cute and, oh, say hell when you can or whatever. It's because, as we'll see in Ephesians chapter 6, that the very powers of hell are set against us, are set against dividing. So we better understand that our, the eagerness that God is calling us to, that we need to be committed to, needs to be greater than the powers that are set against us, the very powers of hell right, that, that seek to divide, to tear apart, to say, hey, it would be a lot easier if you did it this way. It'd be a lot more comfortable and more convenient if you went this way. But the call here is to be eager to walk in a matter that is worthy to who and what God has called us to be, amen? And so we look at that. The first charge in that list is humility. Walk in all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Okay, I was kind of thinking through an illustration here or something like that to, to share, and God, I feel like the, the, the spirit was screaming. Um, I, I have an example for you, and all fingers were kind of pointing here, you know, on me was, um, Again, as I mentioned, the last couple months, we've been really pressing into some really difficult things here, and we've been talking, and a couple of, uh, maybe a month or so ago, we really got into it, and we talked about the unwelcome mats that we're putting out, right, that says, well, we have a majority culture, and we kind of like the way we're doing things, and ways we even intentionally or unintentionally say, kind of, this isn't for you, go find somewhere else, because you make us uncomfortable, and we talked about that, and, and we talked about repenting of that, and, and pressing in again, and, and all these things, well, I don't need to re-give the sermon, what you want to, I mean, no, I'm just kidding, um, you know, there's, I don't need to redo that, but basically, the content, I think, there was good, was charged, we, you know, I, I, prayed beforehand. I believe the spirit was there. But, but as I was reading this and even some of the conversations I had afterward, even with the elders, there was a, and that's our, we don't just put on the gloves and hug each other. You know, we, we, we get real. And there was this, this acknowledgement of, yeah, you sounded like you were finger wagging and kind of shaming maybe even and, 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 and kind of yelling or, 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 or getting onto the congregation in a way that, of, uh, in kind of a shameful way of like, hurry up, get it, get it together already. And I just want to say I'm sorry for that. And, and that that's um, an example, again, I think the spirit, like I gave him opportunity, by the way, to be like, no, that's not the spirit. That's, you know, carne asada I ate last night, but he's like, no, this is me. Um, you should know my voice by now. And, um, and, 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 and the saying, you know, the content can be right and good and true, but, um, but the, the posture and the tone needs to be seasoned with what we just saw here. Humility, patience, gentleness, love, bearing with one another. That, that actually kind of captures another word that we see in scripture of long-suffering. What does it look like for us to be long-suffering as a church? Just real application in our relationship here with Safford, right? There are times where we need to, it would be easier to take a different off-ramp. And it's a blessing, I'm not at all saying anything, but there are times where we find things out like after the fact or, you know, or uh, we obviously, some of you have been in here when we've had alarms going off and different things and it's not always easy. Some of you maybe have 
Some of you have never experienced no heat or no air, all right? And um, uh, I hope you never do, by the way, but we have. A couple of us have experienced that over time where the heat wasn't on, it was the meat locker, or the air wasn't on, it was the heat locker, you know? And we were just struggling in here and sweating through it, and, 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 and there is long suffering there. But this section in Ephesians, while, where Paul's talking, by the way, I want to be clear, He's talking about us here. He's using more insider language with how we relate with each other. Not your neighbor, your coworker, your unbelieving, you know, uh, friend, whatever, like the world out there, right? There's been a lot of that, right? The cosmos, the world, the different people, all this. But right now he's talking, he's doing some housekeeping. <laughs> he's talking about us and our relationships with each other and this charge to bear with one another. What does that look like for you? What does that look like for us collectively as a church to, ha- to, to put on long suffering? And again, it's not easy. It's not something that'll just come you know, over, overnight or we do it once, we flip a switch and then it comes. But it's eternally significant. It's so important, let's pick up now in, uh, in verse four, this has been building, be eager to walk in these ways with humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love. Okay, maintain the unity of the spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. That's why the S is capitalized. The spirit who again, just think on that for a moment. Okay, just kind of quick side note. The spirit, the Holy Spirit, if you've put your faith in Jesus, you are filled with the Holy Spirit. God himself, eternal God, The third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, dwells in you. And as we see here and and often elsewhere, and among us collectively. So how do we maintain this unity with all eagerness? We depend, we cling to the power of the Holy Spirit. I've, I've, I've heard it said that we have, a, we have a nanosecond capacity to honor God apart from the Holy Spirit. Okay, it's like you, you can't speak, yeah, I got it from here, I'll go, and I try, right? We try, oh, I've done my quiet times, I did that, I read the Bible, I journal, I did all the things, I jumped through all the hoops. Sunday morning, I have a strict routine, some of you know about this, I'm kind of like that, and um, I followed through it, and I could just get into a, a place, I like to think maybe part of why I still have a speech impediment, even after praying and different things, is because God it reminds me, it's like I've got a shepherd's crook around my waist or my neck, and it, I could get pulled at any moment. He's like, depend on me, cling to me, and that's... This this admonition, not just individually, but to the whole church. Depend on the spirit because, in verse four, there is one body and one spirit. Just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Okay, so there is this oneness, right? If you missed it, I don't know how you could. It's there a lot, right? One, one, one. It's like he gets on repeat there. There's oneness. This is really important. And if you've been tracking through Ephesians, which I encourage you to, if you, if you haven't read, if you're just new with us or whatever, just read through Ephesians. It's a short book. You see, Paul cares a ton about unity. Why? Is that just his deal? Is that his kind of side, side gig? It's because Jesus does. In John chapter 17, 
Jesus is praying to the Father. It's, it's, it's called the high priestly prayer. It's this beautiful prayer I encourage you to go to if you wonder, how does God feel about me? How does he feel about us? Right when, when we read in Romans that God demonstrates his love for us and that while we're yet sinners, right, um, uh, enemies of God, Christ died for us. And sometimes we think, well, he tolerated us. He does this. He kind of, he, he excuses us like a presidential pardon or whatever. I know it's sort of talked about a lot right now. You know, this kind of thing like, hey, I excuse you. No, there's this, this intimacy and you see glimpses all throughout, but especially in John 17. Just kind of anchor down there and see how Jesus feels about you and about us. He prays. He says, he says uh, Father, I pray that they would be one just as we are one. Okay, John 17, by the way, is a Trinitarian uh, piece of scripture. You see the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, uh, three, one God in three persons. You see it there, and you see it here as well. This is another clear place where you see the, the, the high doctrine of the Trinity um, fleshed out. And so you see Jesus saying, I pray that they would be one as we are one. And then at the end there, he says, and I pray that the world would know that they are mine, that we belong to Jesus how? By our bumper stickers, by our t-shirts, by our, our right theology, by the songs we sing, by the liturgical order that we walk through each week, by our oneness is what Jesus has praised for us. So Paul cares a lot about this because Jesus cares a lot about this. And he calls us to live into this. So let's, let's really, again, consider what does that mean for us? What does that look like for us to, to be one as he is one? That he cares deeply about it. Again, hear me. This isn't Jesus's like, oh, by the way, this, you know how I go on tangents every once in a while? This isn't like a, a, a tangential, well, some of you were a little too excited and you're nodding there, <laughs> my tangents. Um, okay, I get it, all right. Um, but no, there's this like, this, 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 this is central to the gospel. Us being unified as God's people is central to the good news of Jesus. It is not tangential. And that's why we continue to in love and humility and patience and long-suffering, press into this as a church. And as he said, there are one God, one spirit, one Lord, one baptism. Okay, let me say something about that for a moment because some of you who are maybe know about church history are like, well, didn't people kill each other over baptism? So uh, who was right? Like clearly it's talking, it has to be one, there's one. This is not talking about that, okay? This is not, I believe that was evil and not from God, okay? When people who believe that baptizing infants in a more kind of covenantal baptism, when there's one camp there, and then you've got credo-baptists or believers-baptists here, and for years, again, people would kill each other and imprison one another and all this over what is called the mode, right? Or if in our language, maybe the style, right? The style of baptism, that's not what we're talking about here. There are godly, faithful, loving men and women, brothers and sisters in Christ who hold to both positions. People we quote from up here who come from different camps in there. People like uh, C.S. Lewis, Tim Keller, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, uh, R.C. Sproul, who would be in the Cato Baptist or Infant Baptist camp. 
And then um, others who would be in the Credo Baptist camp, camp Charles Spurgeon, uh, John Piper, that's the position that we hold here is, is Redemption Church, is, is a believer's baptism. And so it's not talking about mode. Those are important things. It's a really good conversation. It's not like, ah, it doesn't really matter. Just who cares, you know, just choose what you want. No, like think about it, pour over scripture, but you might still land on the same, on uh, different places, but we're still called to a oneness. Okay, and that's, this is this commitment that there is one God, one spirit whom he sent to fill all of his people and to oversee, to, to lead, to envelop all his people, to empower all of his people, right? Whatever camp they fall on on different theologies. One baptism, one faith that is by grace alone, undeserved favor, through faith alone, a transfer of trust in Christ alone. By grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, according to the scriptures alone. There is one hope, there's one life, there's one baptism, one faith. And so Paul here is urging, he's saying, because of that, maintain unity. Okay, as we close, let me just remind us here. Where did division start? In Genesis chapter 3. In the garden, when mankind, Adam and Eve, turned away from God and said, yeah, we're not going to do things your way, okay, unity with God was broken. There was shame. They hid. They hid one another. They heard God walking in the garden, which normally like your heart would kind of skip a beat. You were so excited. Hey, God is here walking among us in the garden. And, and, and Adam would run out to him and would, would walk with him. And there was this intimacy, this, this shamelessness, this freedom. And then when sin entered in, there's division, there's shame. And that broke into the marriage relationship as well. Right? There's division, there's brokenness. What once was defined by, by, by togetherness is now defined by selfishness, by what's in it for me, by I, I don't really want to really do, that doesn't really do it for me right now. Um, but I demand this, well, I demand this, well, we're at odds then. Churches splitting, division, brokenness. Even Paul and Barnabas, even good things. And there are good reasons, by the way, to leave a church, go through our membership class if you want to learn how, right? I know it sounded, maybe some of you are like, wait, what? I want to learn how to leave a church? Well, I'd go to the member. Yeah, we actually talk about that. Um, there is a good way. There are many good reasons to leave a church. And, um, and, and yet, if it's built on a foundation of division that Paul here is pushing so fervently against, then it's not of God. Okay, division comes not from God, but from the enemy. And so there's this charge that Paul gives to the Ephesian church and absolutely to you and I here today. I urge you, walk, right? Walking is ongoing. It's not a one-time event. I urge you to walk in a manner that is worthy to the calling that you have been given as God's people. So let's pray and respond together as God's people. Amen. Heavenly Father, again, we do thank you for your word. Thank you for the encouraging things and the hard things. Lord, we pray, we submit. Lord, collectively, we surrender to you as your people, and we ask you to continue through your Holy Spirit whom you've sent to shape us, 
to empower us or to convict us where need be, to unify us, to reconcile us where necessary. Lord, that we would walk in a manner that is worthy as we gather together on Sunday morning and as we scatter to all different places throughout the week, or that we would live as your people. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.